The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. You've got the H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on those dirt trails and kick up some mud. Or the third-row seating gets your whole family in to experience the thrill together. The dual wireless charging pads make sure that no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead cell phone. Think about those adventurous activities you can do, like me taking a ski trip up with the family, maybe going on a camping expedition, anything and everything. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Gary Parrish, Friday, March 11, 2022. Welcome back to the CBS Sports Eye on College Basketball Podcast, where we sometimes discuss camel fighting, dodo birds, and leaky black. Matt Norlander is here with me. If you're watching on YouTube, please smash the like button like your Brandon Davies and let it be known that the Island College Basketball Podcast is presented by Jersey Mike's, which is a proud sponsor of the Naismith Award. Jersey Mike's would like to offer congratulations to all of the athletes on this season's Naismith Watch List, and we're going to get to it in just a little bit. But first, the internet is back up. It's working in the great state of Indiana. Okay. It is. I, heard I know, but I'm, I, I, I agree. But I, I, are we sure your internet's going to be reliable for this show? I'm plugged in. Is it not okay? You look okay. By I'm the way, why, we could have done this in person. We're, in, we're both in Manhattan. You should have come to my hotel. Come on over. It's no shot. You hey, come hey, Where, hey what part, hold on. What part, what Real part quick. Part are you on? Come. What's up? What pa- I'm uh, I'm uh, I'm two blocks from the garden. You could have walked here in 10 minutes. Hey, you ready for this? You ready for this? If you're hmm. watching on YouTube, hold on. Ready? Hey, hey, YouTube. Hey, YouTube. That sounds like a door. I just Is that a door? door? God bless you for finally getting a door on your bathroom. Just close, man. Just for you. And we'll talk Indiana. You go window backdrop. I made the bed, man. Although I'm in a room the size of a studio. Like if I <laughs> the door's right here. It's like it's right here. I got a suite. Yeah, of course you did. Uh, they up, they you upgrade did. me to a suite every week. Well, as you should be, because you're you practically live there for three months out of the year. So. I know everybody here. I am more familiar with the people who work here than I am with the people who live in my house back home. Okay. Dude, you want to talk about Indiana getting internet back here? They got what? the internet back. It's unbelievable. What great timing. Seriously. They beat Michigan 74-69 on Thursday. A loss would have probably sent them to the NIT. Now, I think, I think. I think, I think, I'd like to think Indiana's good to go. Deadleg, first question. Did Indiana punch a ticket to the NCAA tournament on Thursday, or Mm. do the Hoosiers really got to get another win to make sure the internet works all offseason? I think they, dude. Okay, so let's be clear here. If you're watching on YouTube, hello. Smash the like. Right now, smash it. You're fired up on a Friday conference tournament. We had an incredible Thursday 
Let's get those likes up above 100 before we're done this show. Like your this Brandon is, Davies. There you go. Like your Brandon Davies. I mean, we are on we are on a combined we're on a combined seven and a half hours of sleep. I'm gonna say. I'm so tired. I got like I, well, people are fired up. They don't want to hear how tired we are. I'm just saying this. We got a weird energy. This is the weirdest show of the year. Now, if you're watching on YouTube, it's going to be great because you're going to watch on YouTube and you'll watch and get to the games. For the people that are listening, they might not get to this till Friday afternoon. So, there are sickos out there that listen to our shows like five days after we record them. Like there will be people <laughs> who listen to this show after Selection Sunday. Shouts to you guys. We, we're grateful that you listen, but this stuff, this stuff is going to be so outdated by then. So I acknowledge that a lot of stuff we're going to talk about right now, we're going to try and talk about stuff that's happened, right? But there's so many moving pieces with this cut line, GP. I don't think Indiana's in. Here are the teams right now that I think are in flux, and we don't have the time to litigate all of them. Just like, Okay, Michigan in flux. Notre Dame is in. If Notre Dame goes to the first four, I won't be stunned. Take a look at that resume after the law. Notre Dame's going to get in because the Kentucky win's going to win the day. That Notre Dame resume is sneaky iffy. But we'll toss them in the pile. Michigan, Notre Dame, Wake Forest and Rutgers aren't looking so good right now. SMU still has a chance. Uh, Wake Forest and Xavier aren't looking so good. Rutgers needs to win, in my opinion, on Friday. Then you've still got VCU that can win its way in. Oklahoma, oh, hello, welcome to the party. You've got Texas A&M, which might be better than people realize at this moment. Uh, If Dayton were to make a run to the A-10, GP, they're still there. Florida's out. I might be missing one. I think Indiana needs another win, man. I don't know if this is enough. And but I don't but but having said that, and I tweeted this stat out on Thursday, Michigan losing. I think Michigan's probably in right now, but it needs to it needs to root for t- Virginia Tech to lose, Texas A&M to lose, VCU not to win a game in the A10 tournament, SMU to lose because there's only been four teams that have Gotten to the NCAA tournament, not including last year when the schedules were smaller. Not pre-pandemic. Four teams at three games or fewer above 500. Only four teams have done it. I think Michigan is in line to be the fifth, but I wouldn't be overly confident. And I think it's, I think it's essentially a guarantee because of that loss total, 17 and 14, borderline guarantee that if Michigan's in, it's going to Dayton. I, I, I think the committee traditionally has punished if you want to use that term teams that have a high loss volume i'm not convinced michigan can be in and 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 not playing on tuesday or wednesday of next week and i think indiana needs i do man you think they're in i think indiana needs one more i really yeah. i really do. listen i you know i i'm not gonna be emphatic one way or the other but i would have them in right now and i, I for bubble teams this is the thing i always struggle with and i i get it whatever but Okay, you wake up on Friday morning. Mm-hmm. Your internet's working. You're in the tournament. Then you leave. You lose to the number one seed in your tournament conference tournament, which is clearly an NCAA tournament team, and that's the thing that knocks you out. Why, if you're on the bubble, should you have to beat oh. something like Illinois to stay on the right side of the bubble? Like, if you're good today, you should be good tomorrow. Uh, no, but I agree. But at the same time, like, if, if A&M wins today and Oklahoma wins today, they're going to get jumped. That's why. I think that's the problem. And does Paul – I don't have Palm's bracket up. Been running around this morning. Palm doesn't have him in, does he? What do you I don't think so. I don't think Palm has any in the field. I don't – I I think Indiana's right near the cut line. I'd have him in if it, if it beats Illinois. 
but I don't know. Again, the Big Ten situation is fascinating because I'm I'm telling you, if Rutgers loses to Iowa later on Friday, I don't think Rutgers is getting in. It's going to have the worst metrics across the board of any team. I don't think Rutgers is getting in. And it got messier on Thursday, man. Because you had Virginia Tech win again. It's Texas A&M. I did an HQ hit this morning. I think Palm has Texas A&M the third team out or the fourth team out. I can, answer all your Jerry, I, can, I can answer all your Jerry Palm questions. He does not have Indiana in right now. He does not have Michigan in right now. Then they're not getting he's in, got, according to him, because they can't move up. He's got Texas A&M as the last team in the field. Rutgers just ahead of the of Texas A&M. He's still got Xavier in. I don't know. Dude, This is it's wild how much murkier this cut line got in the past 24 hours. He's got I agree in the field. With him. Yeah, I agree with him on on premarital sex. I do not agree with him on Xavier. I I'm, I think I'm with you, man. I really I I think I'm with you. I don't think I don't I don't think you can put Xavier in the field. And by the way, I don't think you can put Xavier in the field. And you have to put Xavier in the field before you put Wake Forest in the field. I think Wake has no shot at this point. Yeah, I, I wouldn't feel good if I was Wake Forest. I mean, you can't lose that game that they lost. They lost to Boston College. Not I mean, good. Boston College has been playing better, but like playing if well. you're on the bubble, Almost you lose to Miami. Yeah, yeah. All right, yeah. But if you're, if you're, yeah, I think I think Wake's going to be my pick to win the NIT, maybe. But that's where yeah. they're headed, I believe. I'd love to be wrong. I'd love to be wrong, but I uh, I don't think I'm going to be. So you think Indiana's got to win one more game? I do right now. You got to you got to take Indiana or Michigan right now. Which one are you taking? I take oh I, GP right now. I take Michigan. Do you have the Do you have the resumes up? I can bring them up for you. I would take Michigan over Indiana nah, right now. I've got it. Okay. Indiana's four and seven in quadrant one, three and four in quadrant two, seven and eleven in the first two quadrants with a quadrant three loss. So four games under five hundred in the first two quadrants with a quadrant three loss. Uh, Michigan's five and ten in quadrant one. Three and three in quarter two, eight and thirteen in the first two quarters with the quarter three loss. So Indiana's four games under five hundred in the first two quadrants. Indiana's five. I mean, Michigan is five games under five hundred in the first two quarters. I think I would take Indiana over Michigan right now. But Michigan, Ooh. here's the thing: Michigan's top thirty-five at Ken Palm, and typically, not always, but typically, if you're top thirty-five at Ken Palm, you're, you're going to get in the NCAA tournament. You know, it's, yeah, it's, it's tough. It, yeah, and I, I don't have this data. Um, I wonder how many times in the past 10 years when Ken Palm has really just entered into the consciousness of committee members, let alone college basketball fans, how many times we've had a team go into Selection Sunday, top 35 at Ken Palm and not get in. I know it's happened a few times. I just can't give you the exact teams there. And Michigan rates better across the board, all team sheet metrics. Every single one, Michigan is ahead of Indiana. So that's why I would I, I believe Michigan would get in because it's better there. It's got more quad one wins. It's they, they have the same amount of quad three losses. I think Michigan objectively has to be in over Indiana right now. Michigan, but I don't know if either is in. I, it, okay, I, I posed this question to you on the Wednesday show. I said, Michigan, Indiana, Rutgers, who's getting in? And at the start, you said it was going to be Rutgers in Michigan. Um, <laughs> and now... It is conceivable. I don't know if it's going to happen. It's conceivable that none of those teams get in. 
If Rutgers loses, are, are we still on the same page that we were on Wednesday? Rutgers loses this game to Iowa, who, by the way, felt like it could have dropped 150 on Northwestern yesterday. I, Rutgers has to be ter- like, terrified watching what Iowa did. But if Rutgers loses to Iowa, would you would you agree with me that it is conceivable that none of those teams get in? Or do you think that the way this shakes out one way or the other, the committee's going to look up and it's going to not intentionally, but find a way to get at least one of Michigan, Indiana or Rutgers in the field? That's what I think. I think one of I think first, let's start with Rutgers. If Rutgers does not beat Iowa, Rutgers is I don't think you should be in the NCAA tournament. You can't put him in the field, man. I'm just telling you, it'd be I would I would be right. more stunned at that than maybe anything else. Even though I know the Rutgers has the wins, when you put up its team sheet stuff against every other team, if they lose it against Iowa, I just don't think it has a shot. Here's what I think. Here's what I think happens today: Rutgers loses to Iowa, Indiana loses to Illinois, and out of the combination, and then Rutgers does not make the tournament. Michigan or Indiana, one of them makes it. The other does not, and it's wildly debatable which one gets in. And, like, not even debatable. It's like, whatever. Like, one of them will make it, one of them won't. And you could reasonably, like, take a guess because that's all you're doing. I, I say this every um, every year that, you know, we spend so much time talking about, but, like, we're doing it right now. We've been doing it for 12 minutes. You're talking about bubbles and breaking down resumes and all this stuff. At the end of the day, when we get to – Two hours before the bracket is revealed. All of us are going to agree on 65 of the 68 teams. Everybody will that's, agree that's, on 65 yeah, of agree. 68. Yeah. Okay. So then you're going to have three spots open, and you're going to have about five schools you're looking at for those three spots. And then just take your best guess. And you might hit them, you might not. And that's that's the way this thing unfolds. And and you know, like like last year, basically everybody had Louisville in, and Louisville's the first team left out. Mm-hmm. It, it, there'll be there'll be three one hour before the bracket is revealed. There will be sixty five teams we all agree on. There'll be three open spots that we're debating, and there'll be five teams that we're looking at, and uh, and there'll be two teams that, that that's where it's at every year. That's where it ends up. Um. I think again, I'm I'm not going to predict they're not in, but if there's a Louisville this year, I think it's Notre Dame. Just take a look at that Notre Dame resume. I do think the Kentucky victory, which is a home win, is going to put them over the top. But there's a lot of underwhelming stuff on that resume. Just keep that keep that in mind. Um, Texas A&M, I cannot put that team in the field right now. But I I mentioned this on a few shows back. This happens almost every year. There's a team. That basically is in a power conference, but it's irrelevant for three months because just the way things break, it's never in the rankings. It never has like a standalone game against a ranked team where it pulls off a huge upset. It just kind of exists. It's just out there. And then you look up with a few days to go and hello, it's in, it's, it's in the mix. And that's Texas A&M right now. I, it absolutely has to get a win. I think even the way that Palm has it laid out, like he's got A&M in the field right now. It's that's irrelevant for the big picture because AM plays Auburn. Uh, this is really for the live audience on YouTube, and you're all wonderful right now in the chat. Feel free to uh to go where you want with it there. AM beats Auburn. I think it's probably gotta be in. And then if it loses, it's it's gonna be out. It's it's definitely an in or out proposition for Buzz Williamson's Buzz Williamson's team. Wow, no sleep. Let me try that one more time. Buzz Williams's team on Friday. Afternoon. Like this. The, 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 the team that Buzz Williams coaches. 
There we go. The team that Buzz Williams coaches. Uh, blindly, GP, even though these results don't happen in a vacuum, you would agree, though, right? If AM beats Auburn, which is on the one line right now, it's going to be in the field. I would think that's got to be the case. I agree with that. I want to circle back to Notre Dame because yeah. now I'm staring at the resume in front of me. Mm-hmm. Three and seven in quadrant one, one and two in quadrant two, four and nine in the first two quadrants, uh-huh. and with a quadrant three loss. So they've got fewer quadrant one wins than Indiana or Michigan, which we're both debating as bubble teams. They're five games under 500 in the first two quadrants, which is the same as Michigan, worse than Indiana. They got the same quadrant three loss that that the other two teams have. Why is Notre Dame considered definitely I'm just in? telling you. Exactly. That was a damaging. I'm, I was sitting there in the garden last night with Borzello. We brought it up on the screen, and I couldn't. Uh, it's not like I, I couldn't. I can't believe what I'm looking at, but I look, and I was like, dude, everyone has Notre Dame safely in the field. Are we sure this team's going to the NCAA tournament just because it was the two seed in the ACC tournament? I'm not convinced of that. When you And this is what's going to happen. It's happening now. It'll happen on Saturday. When the committee is putting in its teams and logging its votes and the computer is tallying and it's spitting back out the, the seed scrubbing and all that, and then you put up three different team sheets on a screen and they're all looking at them, right? And they're seeing, well, if we're looking at what Michigan's done and look at its good wins and its quad one record, its strength of schedule, all this stuff, and we look at what Notre Dame has done. Now, Notre Dame's... Again, one of many factors, we don't have to get on this tangent, Notre Dame's going to be helped by the fact that I think it's non-con SOS is like 28, so it actually scheduled ambitiously, whereas Indiana did not, and that's why like Wake's got no shot, and that's why I think Indiana's in trouble. I think that might be what helps save the day for Notre Dame, but it's just, if there's a Louisville this year, I feel like it's Notre Dame. Now, maybe by the time we get to Sunday, this maybe this podcast changes the conversation and people are more wary. I'm just telling you, Notre Dame, I think it's, I think it's in maybe some trouble after that loss on Thursday. I wouldn't have a man. Yeah. Dude, they have seven. They've won 21 games. 17 of them are outside of the first two quadrants. Dude, they have four wins. Four wins in the first two quadrants. Four. That's they've got four in the first two quadrants. I I don't see I, I like we do on Inside College Basketball on CBS Sports Network. We'll do the blind resume stuff one time. I prop you put that resume blindly up yeah, against. Michigan, Indiana, I think any of the bubble teams, like nobody even points to that one and says that team's got to be in. Nobody would point to Notre Dame and say you got to be in. I'm with you, man. Just And particularly, I mean, this is why teams that are playing today, you got to be on the watch for Texas A&M, Oklahoma. Take a look at Virginia Tech now, and then if it beats Carolina. I know we're a bit all over the board here, but this is this is like today. Yesterday was incredible, man. That noon window was amazing, and we just got – we we are in a spot here heading into the weekend. I just didn't think we'd be here. I thought we'd be heading into Friday of championship week. We'd be podcasting, and we'd be talking about, you know, two, three interesting bubble teams because it seemed a lot clearer a few days ago than where we are right now, period. Because then you got, you know, Indiana still playing to get in. I still think the A-10 could have a situation. And, oh, by the way – if you really look at the American, which I know no one's paying attention right now, Memphis is in for sure. Houston's in for sure. Like SMU is as as the potential to get into this tournament, my man. The the American could it plays Tulsa. Now SMU cannot lose to Tulsa tonight. But if SMU beats Tulsa, just keep it in mind. 
the American could send as many teams to the tournament as the Pac-12, which is going to send three unless Colorado gets the auto bid there. If you look at that resume on balance, it's they've got a case. Overall non-conference, there's not a ton there. I just bring up all these teams to say, GP, the next 24 hours are going to be super interesting because we got, for as weird as Friday, as Wednesday was, when you had Xavier losing, Wake Forest losing, and you had these teams near the bubble line just killing themselves. I know it's just one game, but then you step back and you see what else other teams are doing to move. Thursday made up for that with teams that really helped their case, and no team got a bigger win than Oklahoma, which was genuinely stunning. For Oklahoma, which has been just kind of scooting down the mountain the past six weeks to go and beat Baylor, which was on the one line. Now Baylor's one seed's kind of in flux here. It could land on the two. Um, I thought that was just, you know, big time. Oklahoma still needs to win another game, but it got at the table with that win. So that was a big development. Really, I think outside of Indiana pushing itself either just to the right side of the bubble or just you know closer on the wrong side of the bubble. Uh, the other two uh, big developments from Thursday, uh, Baylor losing to Oklahoma or Oklahoma beating Baylor, however you want to frame that. And then Arizona's Kirkisa injuring his ankle. Both bad developments for two possible number one seeds. We're going to get into that next. But first, a word from our sponsors. What's your favorite scary movie? You're all in danger. So what's our next move? Talk to an expert. There's certain rules to surviving. George's motive is always connected to the past. Sid, do you have a gun? I'm Sidney Prescott. Of course I have a gun. Scream. I'll be right back. (laughs) (laughs) He's dead. Are you looking for a new basketball shoe? If so, this is Gary Parrish here to tell you that the New Balance 2-Way V4 features the groundbreaking use of fuel cell technology with fresh foam creating the ultimate combination of rebound and cushioning. Every step feels explosive and dynamic, and the upper construction features a lightweight textile that's supportive and breathable. So whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the 2-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the 2-Way at newbalance.com. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. I think I want to watch that dead leg. I'm, 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 getting, I'm getting closer to it, but uh, I don't think I can get to it in the next three weeks. <laughs> I think I want to watch that. I think I want to watch it. Dead leg, let's start with Baylor. You said earlier in the week that you thought Baylor could still be a number one seed without winning the Big 12 tournament. Do you think that's still true with a loss in the quarterfinals <laughs> to Oklahoma? <laughs> I got do not disturb on the door, by the way. We'll see if that Me lasts. too. Me too. Uh, let's just hope we can get through this show. Oh, boy. Okay. Yes, I still think Baylor can be a one deed. But if Auburn or Kentucky wins the SEC tournament, that's going to be a one. Arizona might be a one if it just wins one more game. 
Kansas obviously still has a say for it. You know, when Palm came on the show, by the way, major reaction to Jerry Palm as usual. He did a, he did a nice job there. Just vintage Jerry. Uh, if you have not listened to that episode yet, go back and listen. Especially in the only thing I only, the only thing I remember about that episode is he said uh, everybody in the ACC except Duke is a dwarf. I don't even think you can use the word dwarf anymore. I think that's I think that I don't even know, man. I, I think that's not okay. It really? No, I think I, I think it's the the word that starts with M. I think that's what you can't use. What's the word that starts with M? What's another word for a short person that starts with M? I don't know if it's if oh. It's, yeah, there you go. I, I know that one. You can't I say that one. one. I think that I, I, dwarf might be. I don't. I don't know, man. It's so confusing. There's so many words you used to could use that you can't use anymore, and now you, now I play Wordle every day. Life I haven't is done the Wordle yet. I haven't I, done the Wordle. Oh, today's gonna get some people. All right, today's gonna get some people. I I got it right, but it's gonna get some people. All right, fair enough. Um, you, okay, you'll know why. You'll know why when you know why. All right, I'm after this pot. I'm gonna try to get it done. All right, Gonzaga's obviously on the one. Arizona, Auburn, uh, project right now if they went out, or even if I don't even know if Arizona needs to, but we'll see. We'll see because Kansas, Kentucky, uh, Duke, we're in agreement. Duke can't get there. I don't think Purdue can get there. Palm said on the show that if Purdue wins the Big Ten and takes the hardest road possible to get there, that maybe there's a case. I don't know. So I still think Baylor's got a shot, but it needs a non-Kansas, Kentucky, a non-Kentucky Auburn team to win the SEC tournament and or Kansas not to win the Big 12 tournament. Um, I don't think it's going to break that way, though. I will say that Baylor is going to be your number, your highest ranked two seed when we get to Selection Sunday, even though it feels like, I don't know, GP, it's it's just one loss. Oklahoma could play its way into the tournament. It feels like 60-40 Baylor's on the one line, but I'll go with the 40% and I say that uh, it doesn't break their way and they'll be on the two when we see the big bracket Sunday night. Yeah, I'll flip it. I'll go 40, 60. They're not on the one line. I have them still in the top four, the top 25 and one on Friday morning. When you look at the body of work and compare it to everybody else in the country, I still think at this moment, they have a top four body of work. But ultimately, I think whether it's Kentucky, Auburn, Kansas, somebody is going to pass them over the next few days. So I'm with you. I would have Baylor if we just stopped everything right now like we did right at the beginning of the dumb pandemic, um, I think Baylor would still be a one based on the resume. But by the time we get to Sunday, I think Baylor's going to drop to a two. Uh, you know, they're just eight and four in their past 12 games. And you wonder how much is the committee going to say they don't have Jonathan Chamachachua anymore. They don't have LJ Cryer, assuming they don't have LJ Cryer. They certainly haven't had LJ Cryer. Um, uh, you know, is that going to be the thing that, where you go, okay, resume, number one seed conversation, but given that they're operating without two rotation players, let's just go ahead and knock them down to a two. I bet on Selection Sunday, um, Baylor is a two seed. I still think on Sunday, Arizona will be a one seed, but not a great scene after the game yesterday. Like I said on Inside College Basketball, I'm not going to try to diagnose somebody in Las Vegas from New York City, but I'll just keep this simple. When you are wheeled out of an arena on Thursday, unless you're Paul Pierce, are you ready to play on Friday or Saturday? I don't know that I'd be optimistic. And 
if Arizona and and, and oh, keep in mind, we're just talking about this like as it pertains to Pac-12 semifinals or Pac-12 title game. Uh, let me take it a step further. If you're wheeled out of an arena on Thursday, are you ready to play next Thursday, next Friday, next Saturday, next Sunday? Not great. I don't know. I real quick. I you know I was try I was bouncing back and forth between boroughs here, and I did have an iPad up, and I we were. I was tracking as much as I possibly could. I actually still have not seen this injury. Did it? I know he couldn't put pr- pressure on it. Just visually, GP, did it? I don't. Did it look bad? I'm just curious on that angle. I did. I, I still haven't it, seen it. It, it didn't look good. Yeah. Again, I don't want to diagnose somebody from a distance. I, you know what? I actually find this hard to believe because you have proclaimed yourself to be a doctor on this podcast multiple times. So please, can you can you pick it up? Okay. Well, you, I, you're right. I, thank I, you. Yeah, I'm sorry. I forgot who I, I am. Think I actually once I said, can... I, GP, I know you're not a doctor. You cut me off in sentence and said, uh, Norlander, actually, I am a doctor. So please. I am a doctor. A doctor. Okay. Thank you. I think he's done for the Pac-12 tournament. <laughs> Here I go just doing exactly what That's I said right. I wouldn't do. I think he's done for the Pac-12 tournament. I agree. And questionable for the NCAA tournament. That's okay. I, I think I... I think I also am questionable for the NCAA tournament. You're always questionable for the NCAA tournament. <laughs> oh, <laughs> man. Okay. So, one thing I want to be clear on this. No, Arizona Seed's not going to be hurt because, like, of his injury situation. He's not that good. They're not going to be def- – I don't think Arizona at any point is going to come out – they would be – let me put it this way. They would be idiotic to say he's out for the season. To even yeah, no, they they, they would never yeah. say that because that's they the thing never the committee will use that. against you. Okay. Never. Correct. And even if they did, I even if they did, which they won't, but even if they did, I it's not going to impact where Arizona is seated. Now he's not playing the rest of this tournament because it doesn't matter. And why would you even chance it? It looked bad. He was on a wheelchair. He's not playing. The question becomes uh, what is the uh so Arizona is going to get sent to I'm I'm looking to see because they're going to be regional. So that's San Diego, right? Um, is that a Friday, Sunday? Because every day for Kirk Carissa could matter if this is actually a you know a uh, an important yeah San Diego. How about that? So Arizona would go to San Diego almost certainly, and almost it's, that's where it's going. It's the closest one. That's a Friday, Sunday. That one extra day could help. We don't know. Again, we don't know how severe it is. Recording this Friday morning. I know. I do know how you do know. You do know exactly. Uh, I would anticipate this is just. Even though Parrish knows I don't, so I'm going to say Arizona is going to have some sort of update on Friday that said it's an ankle sprain. We're evaluating day to day. They're going to say day to day exactly, and he's not playing the rest of the Pac-12 tournament. If he if he does, I mean the Kirk Reese legend grows. They need him to be good for next Friday uh, to maybe be able to go because you know him being healthy and however healthy he can be, who the hell knows, right? It it. it Tangibly impacts Arizona's Final Four and title hopes. Obviously, I, I don't even think you try to bring him back for the for the first round of the NCAA tournament. If you're a one, you're playing a sixteen. Like, I agree. If you, like I would, yeah, yeah, yeah just I hear you. I'd focus. I'd focus on being ready for next Sunday, if possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's well, when I'm going to try to be ready. I'm I'm going to try to be ready for next Sunday too. <laughs> I, I'm hoping I'm hoping your internet's more ready. You're still you're coming in through crystal clear. But I find it hilarious that, like, every time you've talked about an Indiana-based team on this podcast, your picture's gone a little blurry. Like, you're okay I'm right hard- now. 
<laughs> I'm hardwired in. I bought a 50-foot Ethernet cord on Amazon so that it would stretch across my suite. <sighs> yeah. I hear you. You're com- it's, I don't I don't know. Internet my I think I'm doing I'm doing okay over here. So it is what it is. Kirk Risa, hopefully he's good to go. NCAA tournament will be a lot more fun if he is involved uh there. All right, what else do you want to hit on, my man? Well, before we go any further, okay, with this amazing episode of the Ion College Basketball Podcast, let me tell you about the Ion College Basketball Podcast bracket challenge. It's for everybody listening, all the Ion College Basketball listeners. We want you to compete with us in a bracket challenge game. I'm going to be in there, dead leg, strong jaw. Never nicknamed David Cobb. Who it's fine. You call Dave? I'm good. He's just, he's Cobb. He's David Cobb. He's David. He's everything. What do you think about his jaw? <laughs> I haven't thought one second about it, actually. <laughs> Join us at cbssports.com slash I on brackets. That's E-Y-E on brackets. The winners get bragging rights. A shout out on the pod right next to Larnell. $100 gift card to Paramount Plus. So when the bracket is set, Go enter. And when you're done entering our bracket challenge, you can enter some more. You can even create uh, your own bracket. Compete against friends, your enemies. Compete against your enemies and have a chance to win to a trip to the 2022-23-2023 Final Four. The way to get involved, CBS Sports app or at cbssports.com slash ionbrackets, cbssports.com slash ionbrackets. So, Deadleg, tell me about your day yesterday, your day today. I know you're in the city. You got a bathroom door. That's I do. both those things are tremendous. Amazing. Are you are you bouncing back and forth between the garden and Barclays, or you just gonna settle in at one place? No, I'm gonna bounce back and forth again. So I did that yesterday. I was in Barclays. Barclays actually was a pretty solid environment. Um, because you know what? The ACC tournament's back where it needs to be. Brooklyn. Here we go. Every year. New York, concrete jungle, dreams made of. You know where it happens, right here. Brooklyn. Well, it's like, it's like the SC- it's like the ACC, I mean, the SEC being in Tampa. I know. Like, what are we doing? SEC should be in Nashville every year. And the ACC, Charlotte. I see put it in Greensboro. Charlotte. I, but they're moving the offices out of Charlotte or Greensboro, so they're going to uh, they're going to Charlotte. I selfishly like it because it's two power conference tournaments that I get to travel down and see. I was at Duke Q's. Uh, Duke, uh, you know. It got a real game. I was prepared to start writing a column on Duke losing to Syracuse, uh, but Duke was really, really good on the offensive end. And Mark Williams, Wendell Moore, I mean, Jeremy Roach had a big shot. So they they rallied, and then the, the you know, Buddy Beheim not playing for the final game of his career. Like, he has another year of eligibility, but he's maintained that he this is it. So the Beheim children are are done. Um, their careers Jim actually said in the post game, one, he reiterated he's not retiring. And two, he said it was the greatest uh, year of his coaching career, which, oh, by the way, is the first time he's ever. Syracuse, it, you technically are not ineligible to go to the NIT if you're under 500. It's just extremely unlikely. So Syracuse's season is almost certainly done. Will be the first season, unless we see him in the CBI. Maybe maybe Jim Beheim wants to get going in the CBI. I, I don't see that being the case. Be his first season finishing sub 500. And despite that fact, you know, Syracuse has never had a worse season under Bayheim. So it was his greatest year coaching ever and completely understandable. Got to coach his, uh, got to coach his children. Some Syracuse fans, I understand. You believe he shouldn't have been coaching maybe both his kids and maybe 
things are going like, hey, that, like yeah. that's a bad fact connected to you. The it only is. time you've ever lost more games than you've won as a Division One head coach, and this guy became the head coach at Syracuse before I was born. Look at me. Do you know how long ago I was born? No, Look I at me. I don't think that's true. You know, you know what I've been through. You were like seven, I thought. <laughs> Just before I was born. The only time you've ever lost more games than you won is when your kids are your two best players. It's not great. It's not. Uh, and then he had a huge issue with the Bayham suspension. I get it. Like, I, I whatever. So it, he didn't play. They played well. And he even said, like, if we had Buddy, maybe we lose by 20. Who the hell knows? Um, Mike Krzyzewski revealed that he was vomiting all day the day before. Chris Carrawell as well. Some players on the team. AJ Griffin was still sick, but played 22 minutes. I think it was food poisoning. So hopefully we'll Duke will be past that when it plays its semifinal Friday night against Miami. Uh, I got a question here in the chat that said uh, MSG versus Brooklyn on TV. MSG sounds a thousand times better. Is that the case in person? It's definitely the case yes. in person. But, but Brooklyn, but I will just tell you, because let, let's face it, we're in New York City, the Duke fan capital of the country. There were plenty of Duke fans, plenty of Syracuse fans. And even the Miami-Boston College game wasn't, you know, it wasn't exactly a library in there. So it did well for itself. Um Duke, Miami, North Carolina, Virginia Tech. I think Friday night will be good as well. Um, but yes, I did the day session there. Miami's buzzer beater, by the way. I, I can't recall a buzzer beater like that. It wasn't the greatest one ever, but loose rebound. Boston College crashed the glass. It took a shot earlier than it needed to. So I think the plan was to wait and shoot. Everyone crashed to get a second chance opportunity instead. Charlie Moore gets the rebound, hits the outlet beautifully in motion, and he just drops it in as the buzzer goes. It was really cool to see in person. It was like, oh, damn. They, they literally just wanted at the buzzer. Good on Miami. It was in no matter what, safely. A loss there would have just uh, damaged the seed. It dodges that. Then I bounced back over to Manhattan on Thursday night, got into the garden. St. John's fans, credit to you. You packed the garden. Nova fans come in full force, and I think you were about their equal on Thursday night. You blew the lead. There were okay, so St. John's blew a lead by 17. Michigan they just blew can't seven. win. They they just can't win. I know. I they can't. They don't Golden, know how to I, win. We were sitting in studio. There's like two minutes to go, and I said, <laughs> Villanova's going to win this game because it knows how to win, and the I, other team doesn't know how to win. The same parish. I thought the same exact thing. Probably at the same exact moment when I was sitting there on press row, I was like, Villanova, Villanova's going to win this game. They, it they was like Villanova was behind. Villanova was behind right now. They're going to win the game because they know how to win a game. And St. John's doesn't know how to win a game. We had a few instances of that, though. Vandy came back from, like, down 15. Villanova came from 17 down. TCU came from 20 down on Texas. You picking the Longhorns to make the Sweet 16, my man? Sight unseen right now? No. No. Preseason top five team in the eyes of many. Oh, by the way. Just saying. And then Indiana... Came back from 17 down. We had some big rallies uh, across the board. I was the, uh, back to MSG. So if Nova gets it done, and then I got to say, the UConn Seton Hall game, it was good, but the environment was not, like, incredible. I think it's going to be incredible on Friday. Nova, UConn, Friday night, Manhattan, MSG semifinals, going to be incredible. Awesome. So I will go to Barclays um, when we wrap this pod, do a little work here, work the phones, and then... You got Indiana tipping at 11.30. Good on the Big Ten, by the way, on this. That's just a good thing. Get your game on first. Start the day like that. Helps your TV window. 
get get us before noon. So I love that. So I'll do a little TV watching, and then I will start with Duke in Brooklyn, and then I haven't fully decided, but I do. I want to be in the building for Villanova UConn. So um, Virginia Tech beating Carolina would definitely be compelling. And I'd love to talk to Mike Young. Uh, there's more on the line in that game than UConn Villanova, but I gotta be at the Garden for UConn Nova. Uh, that 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 building tonight. Providence fans are gonna be there playing. Uh, by the way, congrats to Creighton. I I kind of low key thought that Creighton was gonna lose by like 13, and Marquette was gonna get it done. If you really look at Marquette's done, it was just okay to start the season. Had a great January that got him into the NCAA tournament and kept him there. And then they've just been a little bit like this, up and down a little bit. But Mar- you know, credit to Creighton. Made it to a semifinal. No one had this. Changed over entire starting five. Maybe we look up and Creighton's playing for the championship on Saturday. It's not inconceivable. Providence really needed to uh, to struggle to get past Butler there. But it's been awesome, man. I was telling Borzellos, who walked out of the building last night, uh, this is like, it's been really three years since we've had this. Like, I love this energy in the city. You walk out, it's 1230 at night. There's still obviously a buzz to it. You go get yourself a New York slice, Okay. Not at Sabaros, don't worry. I got myself a New York slice. And, you know, you, you're trying to recap your thoughts of, of the day, what happened around the country. I still prefer next weekend's four days. That's still, to me, the best. But this this is why the sport's amazing this month is amazing because Thursday and Friday and then in tomorrow, just all of these games, so many stakes still with one seeds and bubble teams and all that stuff. It's really, really great. Um, it's kind of weird. We're in the same city. We're not that far apart. We're, like, within a mile of each other almost at all times. And we can't uh, we can't quite meet up. Maybe we'll maybe we can make that happen before we uh, before I scoop back to Connecticut. But yeah, it's been it's been great to be back in the city and covering both these games. Looking forward to it. And then Saturday, Big East tournament will tip at six thirty, ACC eight thirty. So I'll, I'll scoot to start in Manhattan, and then I'll probably have to bounce out of there before that game ends. And then I'll go see the ACC tournament final. Unless it's Miami Virginia Tech, I might just <laughs> stick around. And listen, it'd be great. I don't know if I don't I don't know if I need to be. At a Miami, 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 Virginia Tech in New York City. <laughs> I don't know. I, and that's unlikely, let's be clear. Um, but I don't think I need to be there. Duke, Carolina, then I'm obviously going to scoot back. I want to see that again. That'd be great for uh, for the league itself. And then one more quick thing. I talked with Dan Hurley after the game last night. And no matter what happens against Villanova on Friday night, this was a huge day for UConn, his program. When he got that job, the, the thing he worked on every damn week was going to his athletic director and the boosters and the people around UConn said, we have to get back in the Big East. It has to happen. We cannot sustain ourselves as a viable top 25 program nationally if we don't get out of the American. I asked him about even just being back in the building. He did his best to not take a shot at the conference that he used to be in, but he even he actually might have had a shot for Memphis. As it relates to being in the American and the site of a championship game when UConn fans couldn't travel there, but he was... Uh, he was really thrilled. What did he say? You, he was just like, this was our first tournament environment in three years, if not more, because last year there were no fans at MSG. The year before, there were no conference tournaments. And then he said something like, the year before that, uh, were we in Texas? Were we in, no, it was, was it Memphis? And, uh, you know, there just weren't, there weren't fans there. And so we haven't played in front of fans in, an, in a tournament environment for like four years at least. So I get it. Uh, and he's not wrong. Uh, UConn fans, uh, it, it, they were basking on Thursday, and they will be so geared up, oiled up, well hydrated um, for this game on Friday night. And you were on it. You were on it, my man, a month ago. I'm with you. UConn is, is your sneaky. I'm not saying they're going. I'm just saying they're sneaky. 
They are they have enough on that roster to make a Final Four run. The bracket will have to break their way, but I even talked with Hurley about that. They're just even though last year's team had a first round pick, Book Knight was awesome, but he was a little hurt. This team's better, got a better roster, more well rounded, and uh, I don't know if it'll win against Nova. I think it could be an awesome game, but it's been uh, it's been an awesome time here in uh, in New York City. We will update our Naismith watch list next. But first, let me ask you a question. Deadleg, are your go-to game day foods feeling uninspired? Next time, skip the usual suspects and order Jersey Mike's. At Jersey Mike's, they make every sub to order with premium fresh sliced meat and cheese steaks are cooked on a flat-top grill. Download the app for delivery, curbside, or in-store pickup. Jersey Mike's is a proud sponsor of the Naismith Award and a proud maker of a sub above. I have my updated list. Top three candidates. Fire away. Smith Award. Oh, I'd like to hear yours first. Would you? Yeah. Would you? Well, I know it's Oscar Sheboy at one, my man. <laughs> I will go. Okay. Uh, woo. You know, I've, been, I, I've, I've just been sweating this thing, just working and grinding this list for minutes. I'm going to say... <laughs> I'll say Oscar. I'll say Oscar, Johnny, Ochai. Johnny Davis, two. Ochai, Abaji, three. That's got to be it, right? It's got to be. I mean, it could yeah, be it. Right. It can that's be. It. That's what I'm going. That's Possible. my top three. Oscar, Johnny Davis, Ochai, Abaji is my top three. Oscar, it feels like this is done in terms of, like, who's going to win the award. You say that. But a reminder to our listeners, you say that, but a reminder to our listeners, at CBS, we feel we do it the right way. We allow some of the postseason to have an influence, but not all the influence. We decide after the Elite Eight and before the Final Four, it's still conceivable that someone could be awesome in the NCAA tournament. Kentucky doesn't make the Final Four. Like, if Wisconsin makes the Final Four, Johnny Davis, he's going to be our National Player of the Year. But right now, and some of these awards are ending, they're, they're done, the regular season's over. Right now, firmly, Oscar Shibway. He's averaging 17.3 points, 15.3 rebounds in 31.5 minutes per game, shooting 60.6% from the field. Most recent game, last weekend against Florida at 27 and 14. Right now, Oscar Shibway is obviously number one for the Naismith Award. Number two on my ballot, Keegan Murray, Iowa. Averaging 23.4 points, 8.6 rebounds, and 31.1 minutes per game. Got 26-8 and eight in Thursday's blowout of Northwestern. Was 11 of 16 from the field in that one. He has been terrific, and Iowa um, has elevated itself, um, playing at a really high level right now. Number three on my list, it could be Ochai Abadji, sure. Could be Johnny Davis, absolutely. I went tied for, I went tied for third. Okay. Chet Holmgren and Drew Timmy. They're going to they're going to hurt each other. Cuz like right now you most people can't even tell who is Gonzaga's best player. Who's Iowa's best player? No. Who's Kentucky's best player? Easy. Who's Duke's best player? Got it. Who is Gonzaga's best player? Drew Timmy. Okay, but some people would argue Chet Holmgren. I know. I, if you're making me pick one or the other, I'm going, Drew. 
Drew Timmy's averaging 17.5 points, 6.3 rebounds, 2.7 assists in 27.4 minutes per game, shooting 58.8% from the field. Holmgren averaging 14.2 points, 9.6 rebounds, 3.6 blocks in 26.9 minutes per game, shooting 75.3% from the field. What? 41.2% from three. I know. They're both they're both terrific, but I they're and we talked about this in the preseason, how they could end up canceling each other out when it comes to awards. Timmy was the West Coast Conference Player of the Year. But, again, I think you could reasonably argue Holmgren is the best player on that team. Either way, they're both terrific. And uh, why Gonzaga is about to be the number one overall seed in the yes. NCAA tournament. That is a lock. No, there's no one. No one's leapfrogging Gonzaga. I would be stunned. They are going to be the number one overall seed. Good on Gonzaga for doing that. By the way, we are not doing a final four and one um, because frankly, we don't have a lot of time before we get out of here though. I do want to note at least a couple of headlines that did come to be come to pass as expected on Thursday. Bruce Weber has resigned at Kansas state, uh, names attached to that job include Grant McCaslin at North Texas. I think Wyoming's Jeff Linder could be a candidate. I do think that Baylor assistant Jerome Tang, I think he's going to get a head job in a power conference this season if he wants it. Uh, Kansas State would be one. I anticipate Mississippi State will open, and I think that could be another one for him. Those are some initial names. You might have heard Drake's Darian DeVries attached to Kansas State. I'm not convinced. It could happen, but I I don't know if I would rank him um, top three for that job. Tom Crean was fired from Georgia, as expected. And I don't know where that search is going to go, but as Parrish and I were talking uh, with Boone and Cobb on a direct message over this, it's – I was told that the AD there has been getting pushed for literally like two months to hire Georgia alum Xavier assistant Jonas Hayes. There's been a push with people to make that hire. Dennis Gates at Cleveland State, also a viable candidate. There will be others that get interviewed. I just don't know who those names are at this point because the AD, he only has really so much pull and say over the football program. Like the way as it was explained to me to someone very connected at Georgia was Kirby Smart mostly calls the shots with football. And that, and that's understandable. Not to say the AD is powerless, but you get what I'm saying, GP. So when it comes to the men's basketball hiring, this is all Josh Brooks's call. He's the AD. He wants this to be his thing, understandably so. And he wants a sitting head coach. So he's kind of dealing with, like, there are a few people with some influence and power that actually care about the basketball program, even though football rules the day down there. And is it going to be a Jonas Hayes, or will it be a sitting head coach? We'll wait and see on that. Elsewhere in the SEC, and then just take it away here, GP. There will be more openings in the SEC. Now, when that happens, we wait and see. As we record this Friday morning, I think I think Missouri will open. I think Mississippi State will open. I think South Carolina will open. I think. Um, I don't think Ole Miss will open. Florida is the one no one really has truly any idea. So. We could have more news on any of those on Friday, probably over the weekend. Maybe one of the two of these trickle into next week. But at least before we got out of here, I wanted to address, you know, coaching carousel. Oh, by the way, Maryland Louisville seasons are officially over. Those searches will very much intensify over the next few days. Then again, if Kevin Willard really is the leader, then we're going to be waiting a little bit because Seton Hall is obviously going to the NCAA tournament. On the Georgia situation, like I don't care who they hire. But there is no scenario where I would let pressure from 
alums or former players make me hire somebody that I didn't want to hire. Like, remember, less than a year ago, former players wanted anybody other than Tommy Lloyd to be the next head coach at Arizona. Mm -hmm. They're pushing for multiple former Arizona players to be the head coach at Arizona. Fast forward today, Arizona said no to their former players, to their alums. We're hiring Tommy Lloyd, and Arizona is about to be a number one seed in the NCAA tournament. You hire the best person for the job, and if that person's actually good, then the former players will get on board. But And, and I'm not speaking to who Georgia should hire. Again, I don't care. But if you're convinced one candidate is better than the other candidate, and that's what you're saying, the Georgia D believes that he'd prefer to go a different route, he'd be crazy to go in another direction that runs counter to what you want to do because some former players are putting pressure on you to do something other than what you want to do. I just think if you're an athletic director, by definition, it's supposed to be a leader. This is your job on the line. Um, You get judged on this thing. And again, they can hire whoever they want. But if you're conv- if you reach a point as an athletic director, this is the guy I want, but my former players want this other guy. You'd be crazy to go with the former players over yourself. Agreed. Um, David Cox was also fired earlier this morning at Rhode Island. That was fait accompli. Uh, question there is what, like the UMass job and the URI, URI job are open. Um, Jared Ross is going to take Brian to the NCAA tournament. He'd be involved there. I wonder if John Becker at Vermont would have traction at UMass or Rhode Island. Don't know. Um, Archie Miller, does he want to get back in? And would he get back in at the A-10 level? Just some names to uh, to keep an eye on there. But this is that time of year, man. Games to track. Coaching movement. Be noisier over the next couple of days. And, uh, yeah, man, I just can't wait for Sunday. Let's go. Let's get that. Let's get to that bracket, my man. Shouts, Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to L.J. Rose, the six-four legend, averaged zero point nine points at Baylor in the 2012-13 season, then transferred to Houston, then transferred to BYU. <laughs> Woo! I don't know about that one. I didn't see that coming. That's what he did. I didn't see that one coming. Imagine. I don't even want to get into it. Do you know what I'm thinking? Yep. Let's just, you got to get to studio. Shouts to Lord now. Thank you guys once again for listening to the Allen College Basketball Podcast and dumbest pandemic of my life. I didn't see it. I ain't never seen one like this, dead leg. It's wild. What a pandemic. I see. So as we wrap here, people are wondering when we're going live. That's to be determined. Parrish is going to be in studio. I will be in studio for HQ. Uh, We don't know when we will be live on Sunday night. We will be live for sure. It ain't going to be before 10. And I don't think it'll be before 11. So uh, Eastern time. So if you're, if you're, you're going to want to stay up and watch us. I'm going to be ready to go, baby. I'll be ready to go, but 
we can't give you a time. It depends on when, when do you think, what do you think the earliest is you get out of that studio on Sunday? Maybe like 10 o'clock or something. I don't really know. Yes, I mean, I could, be, I, I could find out, but I haven't, I, I have it's not even occurred to me. I to just want to give heads up to listeners. Cause obviously the, the selection Sunday show is our biggest one of the year um, by far in terms of listeners, because understandably so, because it's selection Sunday, we will live stream. We'll have it ready for you to go. If you're a listener, you want to go Monday morning after, we'll have you get covered there. But we will not be live before 10 p.m. Eastern on Sunday night. It will be at some point after that. We'll try and get on as soon as we can. I wouldn't think it'll be later than 11, 15, 11, 30 at the latest. But again, between Parrish in the studio and all the stuff I'll be doing for CBS Sports HQ in the studio, I'll probably actually, I might even stay in the studio and record there because I got to drive home at some point. But we'll figure that all out. You will find us. on the. And if you are not already subscribed to the YouTube channel, Smash the like button. Brandon Davies would do it. Brandon Davies sacrificed his life for it. Okay? You got to subscribe. And then if you want to watch us, if you've never watched the podcast, if you're listening right now, you're like, you know what, Sunday night, I'm going to do it. Go find the Eye on College Basketball podcast YouTube channel. We'll talk to you Sunday night. LJ Rose transferred to BYU for his final year of college. I just don't think that's the way I want to spend my final year of college. You know? You know what I'm saying? You get what I'm saying? If you're not subscribed, go subscribe anywhere you subscribe to podcasts, including Apple Podcasts and Spotify. We need five stars at both places. And a nice review. Like written words. At Apple Podcasts. There's more of us than there are of them. More of us than there are there. Jerry told you. On Wednesday's podcast. Smash the like button. Subscribe to YouTube. We're going to talk to you again on Sunday night at some point. Till then, take care.